0: Happy Monday, party people. How are y'all doing today? Hey, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Mark chapter 2. That's where we're gonna be hanging out tonight is in Mark chapter 2 as we come to a finish in our Relationship University series. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this series as much as I have. And so, as you know, what we've been doing in this series is talking about really this unclear, blurry context that you're currently living in in college and about the different relationships now that are different than they were in high school and how you can kind of navigate those relationships now that you're in this new phase of your life. And so the uh, second week, we talked about parents and how we're called to honor them all throughout our lives that when they stop becoming our coach, they should always be our teammates. And then the week after that, we talked about friends and talked about being a sacrificial friend like Jesus who lays down his life for those who he loves. And last week we had an awesome panel of people who sat up on the stage and talked about dating and we answered your questions and really just hopefully gave you a good idea of how to date and what that looks like in the current context that you're in. And so tonight what we're going to do is end this series by talking about something that shouldn't be surprised any of us because we're sitting here in a church and it's how your relationship with God is now different that you're in college. And so to do that, we're going to be hanging out And Mark chapter two. Each summer, I was in high school. I had to do something that I absolutely hated with a passion. Something that I wish I could get out of with every single fiber of my being. But every time it came around, I couldn't. I was forced to do it. Because usually in July or August, I'd get put on a bus like a prisoner with a bunch of other reluctant guys and they would ship us off to a place where dreams die and happiness ceases to exist. And we'd go to this place in order to participate in something that was more cruel than any form of medieval torture that you can think of. We'd participate in a defensive football camp. And let me tell you what made this camp so rough. Because basically, the schedule of this camp, we did three things. We would sleep, we would eat, and we would play football. But what made this camp so unbearable was just the level of awfulness that was associated with each one of these events. Right? So when we slept, we had to sleep in dorm rooms the size of a small closet on cardboard boxes that they pretended was mattresses. right? Or when we ate, we ate food in a cafeteria and the food tasted like bad breath. Or when we would practice, we would do it three times a day with shoulder pads and helmets and full contact, which BTW is illegal, which is why after I went there, this camp eventually had to shut down. (laughs) So you got to think about all of that stuff just made this camp absolutely miserable. But even though those activities is what made this camp absolutely unbearable, let me tell you why this camp was completely unnecessary for me. This was a defensive camp, and I didn't play defense. <laughs> Every single snap I ever took on a football game, the four years I was in high school, was always on offense. I never played defense one snap an entire game. And so you can imagine, when my offensive self was going to this defensive camp, things were not pretty, right? I mean, I stood out worse than a pimple on prom night. I mean, that's what it was like. And so we do these activities. One time, somehow, I was trying to tackle a guy, grabbed his jersey, and I managed to break my pinky, right? Still don't really know how that happened. It's there, in fact, it's crooked. I know you can't see it, but I can, so I'm validating myself right now. And then this happened, this is hilarious. So, There was one time, this is how unintimidating I was at this camp. So I was doing this drill, right? And this guy was across from me and we were participating in this drill. So the coach said, hey, you need to to trash talk this guy. Right, I guess there's a way to get us fired up. I don't remember now. And so the guy sits there and he's like, I'm gonna get you, you skinny wiener. (laughs) Dude, why do you have to go make it all personal, right? And so that's, that's who Jesse Stewart was at this camp, right? Like, that was me. Like, nobody was intimidated by me. Nobody was scared. I was just sitting there going through all these defensive drills as an offensive player. But the reason, or I should rather say the lame excuse for why I was at this camp was this. Every night, for about two hours, we'd go and we'd scrimmage other teams. And so, they wanted me to be there so they could have an offensive player to play receiver during these scrimmages. So what that meant is I had to go to this ridiculous camp, eat this miserable food, sleep in these miserable dorms, and go through these miserable practices awkwardly just because for a couple hours a night I could sit there and play offense for for my school. Like that is absolutely ridiculous. That is a horrible reason for why I was at that camp. In fact, what's even crazier is that they had an offensive camp that was so much easier that I wouldn't have mind going to, but instead they wanted me at this defensive camp instead of being a specific offensive camp for people like me who played offense. I'm a little salty, obviously. (laughs) Right? Just a little bit. But imagine, just imagine if this was you. Imagine if you were in my position. How would this make you feel? I mean, how irritated would you be to be at a place that made you absolutely miserable just because the coaches could use you for a few hours each night? I mean, how frustrated would you be being at this place for this ridiculous reason, even though there was an offensive camp that was much easier that you could have gone to, but you were forced to be at this one instead? I Man, if I had to guess, you would probably see this camp the same way that I did. This was a complete obligation, a complete obligation for me, something that I had to be, you, not because I wanted to, not because I enjoyed it, but because the coaches said so. The coaches said, we want you to be here, and that's why I went. And I really didn't have any good explanation for why I was there, except because I said so. And really what we see is that's what obligations are, aren't they? Obligations are actions without explanations. Obligations are doing things when we don't really see a good reason or a good explanation for why we're doing them, but we're doing them anyways because somebody says to or because we're forced to or because we're required to. And by the way, it really isn't surprising at all because when we're in high school, man, our life is full of obligations. I mean, full of things that we're supposed to do even though we don't really see a good reason for why, just because we're required to. Right? We have to stay in our class the entire time, even if we're done with a class, t- I mean a test, 10 minutes in, right? I mean, think about how crazy that is now. Now you just get up and leave. But in high school, you had to stay there. Or you had to be home at a certain time every single night, even if you had nothing to do in the morning. And so we see that high school is full of obligations actions that we have to do, even if there isn't a good explanation for why we have to do them. And what we see is that during Jesus' day, life was just as full as obligations as it is now. And so the story that we're looking at today highlights just how big of a deal obligations were back then. And so to give you kind of context, if you will, but what's happening in this story is this is taking place on the Sabbath, which is huge, super important. Because if you remember, one of the 10 commandments is that the people of Israel, God's people could not work on the Sabbath. And so that's when this is taking place. And the reason they couldn't work is because God said, hey, just, be, just as I rest on the seventh day from creation, I want you to rest on the seventh day of, of the week from working. And so in the middle of the Sabbath, what we see happening is that the disciples are walking through some fields of grain and when they are, they're hungry. And because they're hungry, something a little controversial happens. Because some people see them doing something that they don't like and they absolutely freak out. And so that's where we're gonna pick up on Mark chapter two, looking at verse 23 together. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So let me summarize what's happening in this verse in one sentence. Right? The Pharisees see the disciples eating grain on the Sabbath and they snitch on them to Jesus. I mean, that's what you see happening here. They point out, they point out to Jesus what they see the disciples doing. And they accused them of breaking the law on the Sabbath. Now see, back then, strict Jews like the Pharisees, man, they took the Sabbath law very seriously. Like this was a big deal for them. In fact, this was such a big deal for them that some rabbis came up with 39 different things, 39 different activities that you could not do on the Sabbath or you'd be working. Right In order to keep themselves from working on the Sabbath, they came out with these 39 laws that were absolutely ridiculous. Right Here's just some the of them. Right? So one is you couldn't untie a knot or even tie a knot. So sorry, you can't wear shoes on Sunday or Saturday in this case. Another one is you couldn't write two or more letters. So no monogramming. Forget that. That's out of the picture. And this might be my favorite one. You couldn't put out a flame. So... Dude, no birthdays. In my sorry, no blowing out candles on the Sabbath. Can't do it. I mean, you just see how absolutely ridiculous these laws were. But these were things that people couldn't do according to the rabbis, or they'd be working on the Sabbath. And see, another one of the activities on this list was reap, was reaping or harvesting grain. And see, that's what the Pharisees are accusing the disciples of doing in this passage. But one thing that you have to realize is that these 39 laws, they weren't explanations for why keeping the Sabbath was so important. Instead, they were obligations. Things that people had to do in order to be good Jews. Things that people had to do in order to honor God because the rabbi said so. That's what they were. And this is what is so interesting to me. Clearly, even though the Pharisees thought this was a big deal, even though they're freaking out here, what's so interesting to me is clearly the disciples don't. I mean, they don't see anything wrong with this because if they did, they wouldn't be doing this heinous crime in front of their spiritual boss, right? And clearly Jesus did not see anything wrong with it or otherwise he would have stopped them and he would have said something. But because the Pharisees saw this as the problem, they decided to do something. They decided to impose their should onto somebody. They were saying, this is what you should do if you want to honor God. This is what you should do if you want to be a good Jew. And so they take their shoulds and they put it on the disciples. You see, what we see happening here with the Pharisees and the disciples is so similar to what happens to us in our lives. I mean, so much of our life, we're doing things because people tell us this is what we should do, right? So many of the activities we find ourselves in are obligations that we do because somebody said, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to live. This is how you're supposed to do things in your life. And so we have all these obligations. And so our entire lives, that's what we've seen happening. But what's interesting is when we get to college, that changes. Because as we've talked about this entire series, when we get to college, we start to have some new freedom. And so so many of the people who told us all these things we should do or that we're supposed to do aren't in the picture anymore. And so things become different. Because unlike high school, we don't have to sit in that class the entire time if we're done with the test. Unlike high school, we don't have to be home at a certain time. And unlike high school, we don't have to participate in a horrible, awful football game. And so what we see happening with this new freedom is that obligations become options. We see that obligations become options, things that we no longer have to do anymore because there's nobody telling us that we have to. And this is true for our social life, this is true for our school life, and this is true for our sports life, but it's also true for our spiritual life. And this is big, because often so much through our relationship with God all throughout our lives is we've done things because somebody told us, this is what you should do. This is how you're supposed to live your life. If you want to be a good Christian, if you want to honor God, this is what you're supposed to do. And usually there was an explanation between why or behind why we do it. Christians read the Bible every day. Christians pray to God without ceasing. Christians go to church on Sunday and Wednesday. So if you're a Christian now, that's what you should do. Because you're a Christian now, that's what you're supposed to do. But see, when we get in college and our obligations become options, we find ourselves realizing something for the first time. And it's that so much of our Christian life is built on obligations. So many things that we felt like we had to do because somebody told us to or because they said, because God said so. And so this is what we realize in college we realize that our faith has more obligations than explanations. So many things we do in our life, we do because somebody told us to, not because we have a good reason for why we do it. And usually once we get to college, one or two things happens. The first thing is we find ourselves, we just stop doing these things, right? That's option number one. Right now that obligations have become options, we just stop doing it. We stop praying, we stop going to church, we stop reading our Bible, right? Like a person who's no longer in high school who doesn't have to go to a football camp, we say, peace out, I'm out of here, I'm gone. That's the first thing we can do, but the second thing we can do is that we can find ourselves still doing these things because we feel like we should. We should. Because it still has been ingrained to us that this is how we're supposed to live our lives as Christians. But because we see them as obligations, when we find ourselves doing these different things, usually we do it either inconsistently or reluctantly. We find ourselves doing it either inconsistently or reluctantly. So when it comes to the amount of time we spend reading our Bible or we spend praying to God, we're pretty inconsistent. Because if we're honest, we really just don't get a whole lot out of it usually when we do it. Or on Sundays, we're usually really reluctant to get up and to go to church. Because honestly, it's a little bit boring and we just feel like it's a little bit out of touch. I mean, you see what I mean? We might find ourselves doing these things that we've always done, but we do it reluctantly or we do it inconsistently. And it is so essential that we realize this in our lives the tendency that we all have to do this. And it's because this will hinder your relationship with God. Because whenever you see something as an obligation, you don't enjoy it. Whenever something in your life is looked through the lens of an obligation, you won't enjoy it. In fact, you oftentimes find yourself wanting to avoid it or to get out of it. And so if we see these different activities of praying and going and reading as something that is an obligation, not as something that is meant to grow us in our relationship with God, then we won't really enjoy our relationship with God. I mean, at times we will, but most of the time we won't. And the reason we won't is because we'll feel like our relationship with God is just full of obligations full of things that we have to do, or we feel like we should do, even though we don't really want to do them. And the reason this is the case is because our faith has more obligations than explanations. But in this passage, even though the Pharisees are looking at what the disciples are doing through the lens of obligation, what's amazing is that Jesus isn't. Instead, Jesus is looking through this situation through the lens of explanation. And so that's what he does. He explains to the Pharisees what the disciples are doing actually isn't wrong. And he does this by doing a callback to an Old Testament passage that all the Pharisees would have been very familiar with. He does a callback to King David. A time, excuse me, a time when David was anointed king But Saul was still currently serving his king. So Saul, for reasons we can probably assume, wants to kill David, right? And so because that, David's running, right? Because that, he is fleeing, and he finds himself in a situation where he's a little bit hungry. And like in the story earlier, something controversial happens because of it. And so listen to what Jesus says in verse 25. He, obviously being Jesus, answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abraham the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Let me tell you why this story is so amazing to what we're talking about right now. Because Jesus talks about the time when David and his men are fleeing from Saul and they end up at this place called Nob. And when they get there, they're hungry, they're starving. Here's the problem there's no bread for them to eat. The only bread that they have to eat is this consecrated bread, this bread that they would put in the presence of God that the priests were only allowed to eat. Nobody was allowed to eat this bread but the priest. And so every Sabbath, what would happen is that they would take this bread and get rid of it. They'd put new bread in there for God and then the priest had the benefit of eating this bread. It was a source of food for them. But Jesus mentions that even though Nobody else was allowed, according to Leviticus, to eat this bread. The priest still gives it to David and he still gives it to David's men. But when he does this, he's not condemned. When he does this, he's not called out. And this is why. Because this priest didn't see this bread, this law about this bread, as an obligation that he had to follow just because God said so even though people were starving and needed food. Instead, he saw it as an opportunity, as an opportunity to take some bread and to feed it to some guys who were in desperate need of it. So to this priest, this law, it wasn't a burden. It wasn't something that he had to follow religiously. Instead, it was a benefit a benefit that God had given to him and that he could use to help other people in need. So after Jesus uses this explanation, he says says another line to the Pharisees where he drops the mic. And this is what he says in verse 27. And then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so what Jesus is saying in a very poetic way is that you guys don't get it just like the law about the bread, the Sabbath was a benefit, not a burden. It wasn't something that somebody had to follow, that somebody had to do just because God said so. So what he is telling them is that this law is not an obligation to rest. Instead, it's an opportunity to rest. It's an opportunity to take a break from the crazy Etic life, right, all the stuff that's going on, it's an opportunity for the people of God for one day a week to rest, to take a breath, to take a breather, and to step back and enjoy the life that God had given them. It wasn't an obligation of rest. Instead, it was an opportunity to rest. And that's what the Pharisees didn't get. And so what Jesus does is he uses this story to explain how this law not to work was not a burden but a benefit and when you see the explanation behind it then you understand the law and the same is true for us when it comes to our relationship with God if we want to turn obligations into opportunities we have to know the why we have to understand why we do what we do we have to know the purpose And when that happens, we see this flip taking place where our obligations become opportunities. In our relationship with God, we don't just do things because we have to, we start to do things because we want to. So here's the why. What we often think the why is, is we do this because God said, because I said so, right? But here's the actual why. Why? We don't do it just because God said, because I said so. We do it because God says, because I love you. That's always our motivation. That's always our explanation. That is always the reason why we do everything is because God loves us. And then the reason we spend time reading the pages of scripture is because God loves us. And we want to see that love displayed in his word. The reason we spend time talking to God is because he loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. And so we wanna talk to him about everything that's going on in our lives. And the reason we go to church and the reason we show up at places like this is because we have a God who loves us and we wanna worship him because of that love. And the reason we even love God in the first place, John tells us, is because God first loved us. That is always our explanation. That is always why we do that. But if our reason for praying and for reading and for going is because we feel like we have to do it to be good Christians or we have to do it because we should or because God said so, then we will always look at it as an obligation. And we'll miss out. We'll miss out on what our God is wanting to do in our lives. And so we have to remember that every single thing you do in the Christian life, every single activity that you do in your relationship with God is because of the backdrop, God loves you. And God ultimately showed this love to us when he went to a cross and died. Because Jesus did not experience a horrifying, agonizing, painful death on a cross and then rise from the dead so that we would have an obligation to have a relationship with him. Instead, Jesus dies in our place and rises from the dead so we'd have this amazing opportunity to know a God who loves us more than we could ever love ourselves. And so we always have to remember the explanation behind why we do what we do is that we can grow in this relationship with this God who loves us to the point that he even died for us. But whenever we take away the love of God and that explanation from the action, then it becomes an obligation. Because an obligation is an action without an explanation. But when we understand the reason why we do what we do, because God loves us, because He pursued us, then everything we do in this life is in pursuit of Him. And what we start to see is these obligations that we've looked at for so long as things that we should do start to become opportunities. Things that we want to do as we chase after this God. And so that's what we have to remember is that explanations turn obligations into opportunities. Once we know the why, once we know the reason behind what we do of God's unfailing, unconditional, never-ending love, then it changes our perspective on how we see the things that we do. How we read our Bible, how we pray to Him, how we go to church, and how we do anything else that is associated in our relationship with Him. Because explanations turn obligations into opportunities. So, as we wrap up, here's my question for you What's your explanation? What's the reason why you do what you do? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray to God? Why are you here tonight? What's your explanation? Is it because somebody told you that you should? Is it because you feel guilty if you don't? Is it because you feel like a bad Christian? Or is it because of God's never failing love for you that he displayed on the cross? What's your reason? What's your explanation? And what we have to remember is that the foundation that we always build our relationship with God on is His love. Because that is a sure foundation that will never fail. That's where we build our life. That's why we do what we do with everything, because God has given us a love that will never fail is that we're gonna sing about that. We're gonna talk about or sing about how we want to build our lives on a foundation of God's love that will never fail, that is always sure. And let us start looking at our relationship with God, not as obligations, but as opportunities to know more intimately and more personally a God who did everything so that we can be saved. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you, God, that even though in our lives we have the tendency to look as our relationship with you as full of obligations, Lord, that you still love us and you still pursue us. And thank you, God, that we have the chance tonight to change that. We have the chance tonight, God, to sit in this place and to worship a God who did everything possible so that we could know him so that we could love him, so that we could have a relationship with him. Not so that we could have these obligations in our lives, Lord, but because we have so many opportunities. God, I know so much of my life, I've been living in the realm of obligations. I've been looking through the lens of obligation, Lord. And my prayer is that you'd allow me and all of us in this room to look through the lens of explanation, which is your love. We do it because of your love for us. So God, may we sing to you right here, right now, how we will build our lives upon your love because it is a sure foundation for our good, Lord, but most importantly, for your glory. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.